We're all familiar with the use of breathalyzers to determine blood alcohol content, but according to new research, breath testing could be a regular part of the primary care exam. Welcome to a special program focusing on the future of medicine. I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill, your host, and joining us today are two scientists from GILA, a joint institute of the University of Colorado and the National Institute of Standards and Technology, Dr. Chun Yi and Dr. Michael Thorpe, whose research has shown that markers for disease such as asthma or cancer can actually be determined by analyzing trace molecules in the breath using laser light. Doctors, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. So, Dr. Yi, uh, let's start with you. Can you tell me a little bit about how we can actually or explain how breath is analyzed by a laser light? Yeah, this is true. Human breath contains many different types of molecules, in fact, and you know, a thousand different kinds of molecules coming out of our breath, and some of which the so-called biomarkers, and they are associated with certain disease states or environmental exposures, like you have been to a bad place and you come back, your breath will contain some of that residual molecules. And each type of molecules has a very different distinct signature patterns of absorptions, the way that molecules interact with light. So we can now use a very special kind of laser light that can allow us to sort through all kinds of distinct molecular absorption patterns. In doing so, we can know from the breath what kind of molecules, how many of them are actually contained in there. And from that, once you can make a link between the existence of these trace molecules, so-called biomarkers, to the disease state, you can then make a diagnostic recognition of the particular human disease conditions or environmental exposures. Dr. Thorpe, can you tell me a little bit more about the information that's contained actually in the mixture of gases that we exhale besides what I thought was just carbon dioxide? Yeah, so this is Mike. I guess the answer to that is that in your breath, you've got the main constituents, which are the nitrogens and oxygen, CO2 and and methane. And then there's about 100 parts per million of gas left over that is, like June said, this thousand different molecules. The information we know contained in these molecules is very large. The field is still in its infancy, so we don't understand a lot of the molecules or the concentrations yet. But what we do know is already there are a handful of diseases, maybe 10, that have been linked to the presence or elevated concentration of these molecules. And with tools like our new laser system that can look at very many molecules at once and correlate them to disease conditions, we hope to be able to extract much more information and be able to do more diagnosis and also monitoring of diseases or even monitoring of therapies using this technique. So how exactly does the laser work so that you are really just capturing exhaled breath? I mean, do you breathe into a balloon? Do you breathe into a bag and then attach it to some machine? Take me through that. Yeah, Chung again. Yes, indeed. The breath, for example, can be first captured into a sample storage bag, and then we can connect the bag into a little chamber that we made, and the chamber contains basically the inlet for the human breast to go into, and it's actually contained in a space where the laser light zigzag between two mirrors. And it's very highly reflective, allows the laser light to go back and forth, back and forth to interact with these molecules to extract information of how the light is interacting with different kinds of molecules. And so basically we can control what kind of gas goes into our laser detection system, and just by analyzing the light afterwards, we obtain the signatures of these trace molecules. So how big is this machine? It sounds non-invasive, but, you know, is this some giant computer machine that you need to 
send it off to a lab, or do you think, Michael, one day it'll be small enough that it'll fit in a doctor's office? Yeah, well, so already we can build these things kind of the size of a large microwave oven. And then, of course, like Juno was saying, you breathe into a bag that is attached to this device and you get your results. But in the near future, it's not unreasonable to expect that these things get even smaller, maybe the size of a typical computer monitor or smaller yet. So it's not a huge device. So then how's the information translated for the doctor? Because, you know, we're not PhDs, we're just lowly MDs, and we kind of need to be told how to interpret these things. Does it print out a certain parts per million, or does it say, oh, this person has uh, cancer somewhere? That's actually an excellent question. This is essentially the missing link that you write on the spot. The machine can tell us. Essentially, we can print out a chart of, say, here are 100 typical molecules that might be linked to a certain disease. And we can tell you, you know, parts per million or parts per trillion, how many of these molecules are there in the breast and the different kinds of molecules. But in terms of making the solid link of, okay, here's the presence of three different kinds of molecules, and, oh, you are sick with asthma or you are sick with lung cancer, in order to make that solid link, in fact, the study needs to be done by the community to really, now we have the tools available, this will actually facilitate such a study where you can make the so-called biomatrix, where you can list all these different kinds of trace molecules and then do clinical trials to have real patients and then analyze their breasts to eventually have enough statistical samples to make a solid connections between certain physiological conditions of patients and the breast matrix that we can establish now. So to answer your question in a really short time, the machine itself gives you real-time information. You breathe in, in a minute later, would print out on a piece of paper all kinds of molecules that's contained in your mouth. And in terms of making the further step forward to tell you what kind of disease you might want to be watched for, uh, that requires further study. I would just add that these studies have been done already for, like I said before, a handful of diseases. To really extend this to a very large number of diseases, there would need to be these further clinical studies. Sure. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals, and you're listening to a special segment focusing on the future of medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Caskell, and I'm talking with two scientists from GILA, a joint Institute of the University of Colorado and the National Institute of Standards and Technology, Drs. Chun Yi and Dr. Michael Thorpe. And we're talking about how we can potentially one day use laser lights to analyze our patient's breath to determine if they've got some underlying disease such as asthma or cancer. So, guys, have you identified clear markers that actually say, okay, this person has an occult malignancy somewhere in their body because we are seeing this particular marker, doctor, go to town and find that cancer? So this is Mike again. So far, what we have done with our system is detect biomarkers that have been identified in previous studies. And so far, these have been biomarkers related to things like bacterial overgrowth or bacterial infections in the stomach that lead to ulcers. H. pylori breath testing. Yeah, exactly, that kind of thing. Or elevated ammonia indicating that you might have some renal failure or some liver problem. We are currently building a system that will be good for looking for some of the biomarkers we expect to be good for cancer, such as pentane and ethane, these volatile organic compounds. 
And so, yeah, we're, we're definitely working down these avenues. What would you expect to see if someone had asthma? What kind of biomarkers would be expressed in their exhaled air? The one that's typically used for that is the nitric oxide. And I think that one right now is somewhere around 90 plus percent reliable in diagnosing asthma. Of course, there are some other molecules also. I think hydrogen peroxide is even one and maybe carbonyl sulfide. Uh, there are a few more that if you can detect all three, then you can get a very accurate diagnosis. And our system is definitely looking to make those kinds of measurements. So, you know, you guys are crazy wild scientists. So I imagine you've done this on each other's breath. What have you found in each other or others, you know, friends that you've brought into the lab to analyze their breath? We have done a few breath tests. And one thing we have seen is an indication of exposure we looked at carbon monoxide on the breath of someone who smokes and then looked at that same molecule on the breath of someone who doesn't smoke. And you can definitely see uh, elevated concentrations of this. And, and we've also looked at the ammonia concentration on the breath of healthy individuals. So far, we haven't had any renal failure patients into. I would imagine to tell if someone's a smoker, you could just say, do you smoke, instead of doing the laser test on them. That's absolutely right. But imagine if you had a high concentration of CO in the air in your home. Sure, you wouldn't know, right. And you might not know it, or you spent too much time on the interstate, and that was becoming a health problem for you, things like this. What happens next? How do you take this out of the lab and start doing some clinical trials? We actually have been talking to a number of commercial companies. In fact, you know, our research lab is funded by National Institute of Standards Technology, U.S. Department of Commerce, and one of our mission is really to help U.S. industry to really spread out, you know, sort of the technology associated with fundamental research and spread out to the U.S. industry to really gain uh, competitiveness in the next generation of our product development. I feel this is actually going to be catching on fairly fast. There are at least four commercial companies that have been talking to University of Colorado and NIST to license the technology. And, it, you know, our lab is primarily a physics laboratory. We really, you know, live on cutting-edge research of what's the next generation of technologies and what kind of science problems. And once this device catches on to do real medical applications, I think it will grow out of our lab. It will have to go on you know, have a commercial products and go to real medical doctor's office where you can really go through thousands of patients. And this really is our dream. It will help advanced society needs for advanced medical screening and diagnosis, painless diagnosis of diseases. And so what we are doing right now is to make the system even more sensitive to a point where if you have only 10 molecules contained in your breath, you know, 10 dangerous molecules coming out of your breath, that we can tell. And like for in the previous example, you and Mike were talking about asthma. There are other molecules such as carbon monoxide, hydrogen peroxide, I think Mike already said, and nitride, nitrate, and so on. If you can detect all sorts of molecules, even though they are very minute amounts, but you can tell them in quantitative terms and measure them all at once, then it, the confidence level of diagnosing certain disease just goes way high. You can almost reach a Point where you have 100% confidence to tell a patient after analyzing his or her breath for five minutes, telling him, you better go to the hospital to see this particular doctor to find out. And that's really what we are going for. We have a next stage of laser already under development will give us this kind of sensitivity. And we want to start to bring in medical professions into our laboratory, bringing, for example, cultural cancer tissues, 
bring in real patients, and then try to start to really analyze medically relevant problems and, you know, have connections with the commercial companies to help them, assist them to commercialize this technology. Well, that leads to the next question, which would be, you know, you have to get it small enough and you have to get it cheap enough to be cost-effective, and then you have to actually get insurance companies to reimburse the test. So, you know, how much do you think it's going to cost? I know you can't say right now because it's still in the lab, but any ideas of what it would cost in the future to get this into a doctor's office? I think it'll probably be cost-effective, especially if it is able to screen a very large number of patients per unit. Right now, just for test setup that we would build in our lab, we spend on the order of $50,000, and that's just for building one of these devices. It's always very much more expensive when you're just buying one of every component. So I imagine the cost can be cut down quite a bit in the future. So, you know, other things that might be useful for, I mean, can you tell how much somebody drinks? Can you tell if people are taking their medicine? Can you tell if, you know, what someone had for lunch? Do you see those as applications in the future? Yeah, absolutely. That's actually exactly one of the part. You know, it's a diagnosed disease, but also for monitoring the environmental impact on human body, what you have been in contact with. Have you been making bombs at home? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, things like that. It's not only for medical science or medical research, but it, I imagine for homeland security, even people who go deep sea diving were asking us, hey, can you test this bottle as pure oxygen or there's some lethal amount of nitrogen in there when we're in deep sea, we could be in trouble. Or people in food packaging were contacting us, can you sniff those wines? Can you sniff whether our food packaging is secure? You can imagine once you can see, sniff out of, in air, mm-hmm. all sorts of kind of molecules contain the information. It can be used really in widespread use in society in many different places. And the key point is this device will be inexpensive and it can tell information quickly. And that's what I think it would, in the long run, even if this device costs 100K to make one, but the point is the patient can walk in and walk out in a few minutes and have some information in his or her hand. That's going to be incredible for the society in the long run. Well, it's pretty exciting stuff, and I'd like to thank the two of you for coming on the show today. Thank you for inviting us. My guests were Drs. Chun Yi and Dr. Michael Thorpe, and they are two scientists from a joint institute of the University of Colorado and the National Institute of Standards and Technology. And they were here to talk about some exciting work they're doing on using lasers to analyze trace molecules in our breath using laser lights. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, and you've been listening to a special segment on the future of medicine on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. And please visit our website at ReachMD.com, which features our entire library through on-demand podcasts. And thanks for listening.